Welcome to Open Banking Expo Unplugged, bringing you the brightest minds in open banking, open finance and beyond. Hello and welcome to another episode of Open Banking Expo Unplugged. I'm Ellie Duncan, Head of Editorial and Broadcast at Open Banking Expo and your host as always. In this episode, I'm joined by Lily Metodieva, the Managing Director of Moneo. Now, Lily has more than 15 years of experience in the e-commerce and digital banking space, and she joins me to give her insights into the issues and challenges facing e-commerce merchants. She'll also be discussing Moneo's exciting growth plans as we leave 2022 behind and enter 2023. Welcome to the podcast, Lily. Hello, and thank you very much for inviting me today. Well, let's start with a bit of a scene setter, if you like. For those of our global audience who aren't familiar with Monio, can you explain what it is that, that you do, please? Yes, with pleasure. Um, Monio is a fintech company, and we aim to provide a complete end-to-end solution specifically for the e-commerce vertical. Uh, the e-commerce industry has been a very fast uh, growing industry you know COVID added to that as well and um, the e-commerce vertical they have very specific needs in terms of payment uh, in terms of uh, their banking operations in terms of their um, card operations all these uh, uh, different uh, payment methods um, what we uh, are aiming to provide to them. Our goal is to um, address all the needs they have, the e-commerce uh, businesses, and uh, to address all the needs with, which they have right now in this moment, and to be able to adapt our solution quickly to any needs that can, um, can which they can have in future. Um, Monel was, was born, uh, so, so Monel was born on the open banking uh, concept, um, based on the open banking concept. And, uh, we have been developing it according to, um, the specific needs and requirements of the e-commerce industry. We have our, um, online platform, which is currently connected to, uh, multiple partners and banks to provide services to the online, uh, businesses. That's great to hear. And, and I know, Lily, that you joined Moneo in early 2020 as Managing Director of Business Development. So what, what's been your priority in this role? Well, several priorities, uh, everything related to the business development in its wide meaning. Um, I would say everything related to new projects, new solutions, new partners, uh, which need to be added to our network. Uh, everything related to the internal processes and operations that need to be changed when a new partner is added. Uh, everything related to understanding what the current needs uh, of our customers are. And then um, once we understand those needs, to be able to find the right solutions and to customize uh, the services we offer to, to be able to provide uh, to the client something uh, that is going to work for their particular business. All these aspects uh, which are related to the business development is uh, something uh, which I deal with on a daily basis. 
You mentioned it's been a really fast-growing area, e-commerce. Obviously, um, that was accelerated, as you mentioned before, because of the the COVID pandemic. So um, what are some of the needs that you're seeing from your customers at the moment? There are various needs uh, because the e-commerce industry uh, has specifics. They target different geographies. They need different payment methods in the different uh, geographies they target uh, to receive, uh, you know, payments from consumers for the goods and services they offer. On the other hand, they need various currencies. They need to be able to make cross-border payments. They need to be able to receive settlement funds from the providers, from the acquirers they work with. So there are many challenges because e-commerce business is global. You do not really target a specific country. Often e-commerce merchants, they go global. They target a whole continent or worldwide uh, consumers. And it's very challenging uh, to uh, find the right uh, solutions and the right uh, approach in each and every market. Uh, and of course, to find the providers with the right infrastructure for it. So there, there are a lot of challenges uh, in regards to that. Different payment methods, as I said, different currencies. But to your question, what e-commerce merchants need right now? They need uh, more stream. They need solutions that offer to them easier access to various payment uh, methods that offer to them. Uh, quick access um, because e-commerce is a very uh, dynamic uh, industry. Everything there happens fast. And of course, the merchants require um, the services uh, which are provided to them to be delivered in a similar manner. Yeah, as you say, you know, there are some big kind of global challenges that e-commerce merchants face. So perhaps you you can kind of Give us an idea of of how open banking payments are helping to address some of these issues and and challenges then. Yeah, definitely open banking uh, on one hand, because we were talking in different markets, uh, merchants uh, can accept payments from consumers in different ways. And they need to be able, the more payment methods they provide to consumers, uh, the more sales generate, because they, they, the more sales they generate because they offer various payment options, and each and every consumer can decide based on the payment methods they have available for them. And the open banking, on one hand, uh, helps the e-commerce merchants for specific markets to accept payments uh, in a secure way, which of course leads to uh, to more sales. And on another hand, we can uh, use the open banking the way actually Moneo has utilized the open banking concept and upgraded the open banking concept to provide, um, to connect to multiple banks, to create a network and uh, provide many payment options and currencies for the B2B side of the e-commerce operations because there are two two flows basically one is the merchant accepting payments from consumers on their websites and this is the consumer to business flow and on another hand there is the other flow which is the merchant maintaining their uh, day-to-day operations uh, receiving their settlement funds uh, from acquirers and payment service providers and then being able to pay to suppliers to vendors for their administrative costs uh, and uh, customer support uh, all these kinds of expenses 
So the open banking actually can help in both ways. Uh, on one side, the consumer side and also the B2B side of the, uh, of, of, uh, of the business. Yeah, just talking about some of those sort of expenses that, that merchants face, I think it's it's fair to say there has been quite a bit of media coverage recently about the fees paid by merchants to companies such as Visa and MasterCard. So what are your thoughts on, on kind of this discussion that's been playing out uh, and, you know, what might the solutions be here? Well, let's be honest, Visa and MasterCard are companies, right? They want to make, uh, they want to be profitable. They want to make money as any company. Now, the challenge here comes from the fact that the card payments uh, are very popular and um, they have become even more popular um, during the pandemic because people prefer contactless payments. Uh, And the card payments uh, are really, really booming. On the other hand, um, card associations, they say, okay, we have more transactions, but it increases also the fraud, uh, the fraud ratio. It increases uh, the you know, chances for consumers uh, doing any kind of card fraud. So um, this, this way they justify the increase of costs, which is understandable because uh, fighting fraud in card payments, and this is something I, uh, I have experience with, it requires resources, it requires technologies, it requires um a lot of uh, a lot of resources to be implemented to be done properly and this is how the car schemes justify the increase of costs now how to tackle this situation um i believe the payments market would find a natural it's natural balance at some point because uh, there are going to be alternatives to the car transactions those alternatives are going to become more and more popular to the consumers. The consumers would start using them more. And it would naturally lead to some sort of competition, which would lower down the prices. So the solution here, in in my view, is, and the answer to this is the competition, because competition is a healthy way to um, maintain the balance in terms of prices. Yeah, of course, that makes sense. And let's come on to talk about um, something else that we've been seeing quite a bit of lately, and that's some of the the big US banks getting in on on sort of the payments action with various acquisitions. So I'm thinking of Goldman Sachs and and JP Morgan here specifically. Um, Was this always kind of inevitable that some of the larger banks would would kind of forge a path into payments and and also what does it tell us about the maturity or the direction of of the payment space you know in the payment space there will be always room for development and you know by such acquisitions by you know um adding more and more solutions to your core service uh, you actually are able to address uh, more payment needs of your consumers, and I think this is um, this is something natural which um, which uh, happens in the market, um, and I see it like a, a positive thing, a positive trend. Do you think you know going into twenty twenty three, we're going to see more of these these kinds of acquisitions? Well, I do not know. I mean, we live in very interesting times uh, in terms of payments. You know the I would say uh, there are quite a lot of uh, surprises. There are quite a lot of um, things happening, especially in 2022. So 
2023, yes, I would expect to see um, I would expect to see things like that as well. Yeah. Let's talk about, uh, you know, perhaps um, some of the different directions that, that jurisdictions and countries have taken when it, when it comes to payments. You know, when, when we think of a, a payments infrastructure that's kind of working really well, I know a lot of people talk about Brazil's PIX payment system. Um, Lily, perhaps you can not only talk about that payment system, but any others that you think are, are, are show, you know, a kind of, uh, model, if you like, that other countries can can learn from. Yeah, back to I would like to actually um, go back to the question about Visa and Mastercard and the healthy competition. Uh, there are a lot of payments out there, uh, alternative payment methods uh, in different countries, uh, which are quite popular for a specific region. Uh, it's not just Pix in Brazil, but it's also if you take, for example, WeChat Pay, Alipay in Asia. Uh, they are specific for those re- specific for those regions, and they really they're really an alternative. They have become an alternative of uh, all the traditional banking or card payment methods. Um, they are fast growing. Um, they provide a very good infrastructure. They they provide a lot of convenience for the users, and they become very popular. If you because you mentioned Pix in Brazil. Pix in Brazil became very popular in a very, very short time because it offers a very good alternative to the traditional banking system. Um, and the speed of the transfer, the uh, uh, the, uh, the fact that people can rely on this uh, compared to what they have as a traditional payment method makes it really, really attractive to the consumers. This, of course... Uh, then helps the, the businesses because uh, uh, it also uh, helps with uh, growing the businesses, consumers paying to businesses. And it, in general, it's, it's a very good uh, thing to have more and more and more payment methods and more alternatives that, um, that consumers and the businesses can, can use. Same is for, for, I mentioned WeChat Pay and Alipay in Asia. Uh, very good infrastructure, very convenient, including a lot of different payment services. And everything is so easy. And this is what consumers would like to see when they make payments uh, online. And this also helps the businesses grow. Yeah, as well as convenience, I suppose, you know, in order to, to drive adoption, it's really important for these these payments alternatives to to kind of demonstrate to consumers that, they're secure and, and trusted, right? So have, you know, for example, in those examples you used in, in Asia, like WeChat, have they been able to do that, you know, ensure that consumers trust when it comes to privacy and data sharing and, and that aspect of it all? Well, there are specifics for it in every market. Uh, and there are things which are more important um, in, in each and every market. From what I have seen and what I have experienced, uh, you know, in the payments in Asia, um, they have provided to consumers the level of trust those consumers need to be able to use the method. And uh, that those methods uh, are broadly used for pretty much any kind of service or, or product uh, you can access by online and offline in those regions, which makes it very convenient to so consumers at the end of the day I would say a regular consumer is more concerned about the convenience and the costs and the security 
rather than the privacy um, privacy matters, you know, and data protection. So this is how it works there. Um, and as I said, it's a very specific for market to market and payment method to payment method. But I believe that what they have built there um, as, as infrastructure and, and you know logic and service is something that we in Europe can learn a lot from because uh, in Europe we've been talking about the digital single, the single digital market, you know, um, hassle-free payments between countries, uh, and pay- payment methods which are, you know, accessible for consumers uh, in, in all countries across Europe. And we do not really have anything like this, which is specifically for, for Europe. This is something we can learn um uh, learn from and this is something we can actually uh, hopefully implement something very similar as a logic as a payment method I, I very much wish to see something like that in Europe yeah uh, it would be really exciting to think that uh, you know a, a similar kind of um, payments infrastructure or, or a super app as, as they're often referred to in, in Asia um, yeah think about that you know the whole European story for interrupting but think about that the whole European region you know the whole European Union having a, an app or an infrastructure to, to be able to, to pay consumers to pay businesses to pay services easily easily accessible it's it's something very good actually Let's move on to talk a little bit more about Moneo's expansion plans. You know, we're at the very sort of end, I guess, of 2022 as we record this podcast. 2023 is just on the horizon. So what's in store at Moneo next year? We'll continue uh, working on adding more and more partners uh, uh, and banks to our network in different countries uh, because this is very important for our e-commerce clients. Um, continue to add more currencies uh, again due to the specific of the e-commerce online merchants operate in different currencies therefore they would like to to be able to pay in different currencies in different currencies as well um, and the ultimate goal is to provide that full payment ecosystem to the e-commerce vertical as well as to diversify the payment channels and the solutions so for every channel and every solution we offer to be able to to offer a backup solution for that one so that uh, in all cases the merchants have uh, their payment methods available this is what our aim has been since day one at Moneo and so we'll go, we're going to continue in that direction and when you talk about you know looking for more partners what is it that that you look for when, when you do partner we usually partner with traditional banks, which are willing to also accept clients in the e-commerce space. So our partners are mainly traditional banks uh, that provide uh, different payment uh, methods and the different currencies uh, to our uh, business customers. And of course, uh, we are happy to partner with uh, fintech companies. We actually have uh, fintech companies as partners to work on different projects uh, with them uh, and to create more and more services uh, for Monel's customers, to provide more services uh, to Monel's customers. Thank you so much, Lily, for joining me on the podcast. And it's really exciting to hear all about Moneo's plans for 2023. Thank you very much. 
My thanks again to Lily from Moneo for joining me on today's episode. If you'd like to listen back to recent episodes of the podcast, then go to the on-demand section of openbankingexpo.com. We've had some great guests on recently, uh, so now's the chance to sit back with a cup of tea or coffee and have a listen back. That's all for me today. Until next time, goodbye.